Welcome, dear listeners, to episode two of the Jacobs podcast. And joining me on again, I'm proud to say, is Jordan Shopov, a friend and founder of Wig Capital Management. Jordan, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Sean. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're back. I, I wasn't going to say this, but um, in my current job at the moment, we've got a lot, a lot of new starters sort of every week, and it's a, always a safe safe joke to say well you came back I'm, I'm glad you've come back for day two or week two but in this case I'm genuinely glad you've come back Jordan so welcome again thanks mate I appreciate it <laughs> excellent hey look um just some admin and housekeeping from the last episode um I do promise myself to stop saying yep every time that you're speaking um I do see feedback as uh, or criticism as feedback for self-improvement and I did have a couple of people mention it and I did listen to the podcast again after we recorded it and um, it just infuriated me me just saying yes all the time and in my defense I do I just see the I fall into a sort of conversation and almost like a, a phone call so I do say yep yep a lot when I do speak to friends like yourself and but yeah Jordan I promise to you and to listeners as well I'll stop jumping in uh, just saying, yep, yeah, every time you speak. So that's my little bit of feedback that I'll work on for this episode. Yeah, and Sean, uh, I need to repent my sins as well. I got a bit of feedback saying I'm speaking way too fast. So I'll uh, I'll try to slow down. <laughs> it's funny because okay. you, you get so used to um, speaking how you would in a normal conversation. And yep. yeah, it just doesn't translate into a podcast. I listened. I listened to it as well as like as soon as we finished the first one, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't even bear it. I was like, "This is like nails on a chalkboard." I almost had to turn it off. But yeah, it's a good, <laughs> learn, it's a good learning experience. So I guess this is this is all, what it's all about: try and learn, and and hopefully we'll improve. Yep, yep absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And um, look, I didn't. I do not think, for the record, that you speak too fast. I'm very happy with your, your pace and your. But look, alas, it's feedback, so um, it's good stuff, and I'm glad we've both got things to work on for this episode and, and going forward to on the podcast. Now, um, Jordan, last time we, in the last episode, we talked about uh, the benefits of reading, and what we wanted to talk about on this podcast, we'd agreed, is um, podcasts themselves and um, some of the popular podcasts that we listen to, why we listen to them. But just importantly, I think, uh, why a lot of the podcasts we listen to are just tremendously popular because I think there's a lot in there when you start unpacking things as to why people are tuning in, why people are seeking depth and doing all these things. But before we moved on to that topic, just based on reading uh, that we covered last week, Jordan, is there anything you wanted to supplement or add um, based on or that jumped out to you um, or leapt out after we, we finished the last episode? Yeah, well, um, the first thing, I mean, got a bit of feedback as well and apart from the, the some of the critical stuff the it was really positive <laughs> there was a lot of encouragement and that's great so i mean i said to you when we discussed the idea of doing this that if it ended up just you and i talking every couple of weeks i was happy enough with that and so we've got two or three listeners already so that's that's a huge bonus so i'm wrapped with that um but the uh the big one piece of feedback uh, we got was about um the topic itself that we focused on, like on, on reading itself and realize that that's quite a unique subject matter to, to actually talk about in a podcast. And, um, you know, not many people think about that subject too deeply. So I think that's encouraging. It made, made me think a bit more about 
you know, what what makes you unique? What are your, you know, sometimes you forget what your interests are and how that makes you makes you different. So, you know, a bit more reflection hopefully will lead to some more interesting topics like that and we can we can take them further. Sure. Look, absolutely. And it's probably, you know, a very good lead in. Well, I've just got a one thing that leapt out to me. I'm just going over my notes uh, from last episode was um, that there was one thing I forgot to mention too, and it's it's despite the importance of reading that you can still enjoy a huge degree of success I've found, or at least professional success or, in, you know, whatever endeavour you're involved in professionally. And one of the things I'd read or listened to actually when it was a guy, Niall Ferguson, who's a guy that we both follow, the British historian, and one of the things he mentions is he asks for a show of hands when he speaks to a room full of financial advisors every now and then. And he asks for a show of hands to see who's read, you know, two books that he says are important, Golden Feathers and A Monetary History of the United States, which he says both are just critical reading for anyone involved in finance. And he says that in a room full of people, he'd be lucky to get one or two hands that pop up. So it does show that it's just an interesting point that you – and these are people, you know, who you're speaking to who are tremendously wealthy, I imagine, in New York or in London, who make a lot of money, but they don't really have a great grasp on uh, financial history, even though they're dealing in it all the time. And, you know, you made the point, it's a bit flippant, but the only history they knew was the history of their own careers. But, <laughs> um, but it's it did sort of bring home that point and we did touch on it last week why read and i do think you know we covered a lot of great points you're cutting down ignorance you're curing that appetite and that that curiosity and that thirst but i think there's another point as well and it's just on top of depth but it's finding meaning as well and i think that clearly if you're not reading all the time at least there's just so much out there now about people getting beyond the news beyond the headlines um and for a lot of people, their idea of current affairs is, on the other hand, just um, sparring with someone on a Facebook thread or on Twitter or something like that. But there's just clearly a lot of space for depth and for a broader understanding of some of the issues that we grapple with. We're going to talk about podcasts today, but one of the ones, you know, as a great example is Russ Roberts, who runs Econ Talk, which we're both a great fan of at the, at the Hoover Institute there. And um, the Library of Economics and Liberty. And when he started that, he said, you know, who who in their right mind would be listening to an hour plus of, of, of a, podca a podcast on dry topics like economics? But, you know, he, as you know, he's, he's grown hugely successful. And another person we look at too, you know, who's come into vogue a lot recently is Jordan Peterson, the Canadian clinical psychologist, Dave Rubin as well. Um, and I remember Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, their debate recently, um, they did a well. They did. They've done two rounds, I believe. But after the first round, it was uh, they did a little po a poll, and about thirty thousand people responded to say what what direction they should take the next podcast interview. You know that is just massive. And Dave Rubin in the U.S., who's undertaken a bit of an ideological journey, he's a libertarian in the U.S. context. Um, so I guess on the left, what we'd say here in Australia, but he has just noted that there's this revolution going on and things are changing and just the popularity that some of these people are getting, like Ben Shapiro um, himself, Joe Rogan. So I think it's just a nice little segue to just talk about meaning and depth, but it's not just in books but in podcasts as well. But is there anything in there that you 
just want to touch on, Jordan, or if anything jumps out to you? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you talk there about this idea of getting meaning from your reading and also from your podcast. And I, I kind of see that and you, your story about Noel Ferguson speaking to financial advisors. You, it, the way I think of that is um, it's kind of the trade-off between self-education and a professional education. And I think Mark Twain said that I never let my schooling get in the way of my education. And that's, I think that <laughs> the, the Noel yep. Ferguson story there is the perfect example of that. You can still succeed in a professional environment from your, the traditional institutional education. But if you, to really, um, you know, take yourself down a unique path. Self-education is the only way to go. And a lot of the great uh, thinkers from, whether it was from the Renaissance or more recently, they're all they're all autodidacts. They're all self-educated. And I think, um, like you said, that that is a that is part of the process to to meaning and purpose in whatever you're doing. So that yeah, the, that self-education point I think is a key one that was sort of underpinning yeah. everything we talked about last week and certainly um, what you're leading to, into now with the podcast. And, yeah, perfect example, these new um, sort of new figureheads that are popping up in the, uh, like the autodidact environment, whether it's Peterson or Harris, Shapiro, Dave Rubin, like um, those podcasts are just, they're, mm. they're fantastic because the depth they go into and, and they really, um, they really challenge everything. I think one of, one of the things we become used to with an institutional education is, is like set curriculums and, um, you know, mm-hmm. standard lecture formats and tutorials. It's very, very stale and top down, almost like a centralized type, type of framework towards mm. education, whilst podcasts and, and reading is, is the exact opposite. It's bottom up. It's spontaneous. It's, you know, following your curiosity. And yeah, these guys um, that are starting their own podcast are doing amazingly well as shown by, what did you say? 30,000 people tapped into that podcast. I mean, that's, that's amazing. I think actually mm. Ru- Russ Roberts after, I think it was the 10 year anniversary and he, he was reflecting on the podcast they'd done uh, that he'd mm. done. And he said that they were up to a regular uh, listening base of something like 40,000 people, a small football stadium. And his goal was to get wow. to a hundred and he, oh, he probably wow. is there is there by now, but that's like, as a testament to what you're saying, people are craving a deeper, more intimate discussion about, about anything, whether it's economics, finance or, or reading. So, um, you know, to yeah. try and be a part of that is, uh, is, you know, we're not going to try and compare ourselves to that yet, but you know, that's, that's certainly our inspiration. So why not have a crack? Absolutely, and that's the sort of vein we want to we want to tap, and we'll obviously get to that a little bit later about motivations behind. But it's a similar motivation about yeah, meaning and depth, and tapping into that reservoir of of um, of those things that are out there. It's interesting. There's sort of two points that I just want to pick up on that autodidact point. Um, you know, a, a great person for that. They always think of in the Australian context is a guy like Paul Keating. Um, even though, you know, he's on a very different side politically myself, but, you know, back in, it's just, you, you can't really find too many more political leaders that are just so voraciously self-educated. And I think he left school in, in or when he was 15 or year 10 or, and, you know, this is someone who's responsible for some of the biggest economic reforms we've had, you know, in dismantling that the Australian settlement. And I just always, it's just, worth touching on very briefly but that autodidact point with someone like Keating you can imagine the legwork that he had to do to self-educate and now we have so much more than the 1980s where we can self-educate and find those uh, different sources different points of view and we don't have to just always go to 
a curriculum, which is lot, which is you know how obviously a lot of people learn today. There's nothing wrong with that, but you just think about how many options we've got out there for uh, podcasts and not just having to read books, but blogs, different publications, and all that sort of thing. And on that point, Jordan, is there anything? Um, what are you? Is it? What are your favourite podcasts? Do you think out of you know obviously Econ Talks a great one. Um, is, Talk us through that. Some of your favourite podcasts. Yeah, so econ econ talk I've been listening to for a while, and um, it's I only discovered it in probably three four years ago, maybe five years ago, and it, it's obviously been around a lot longer. So I had a lot of fun going back through a lot of the earlier episodes and um, pulling stuff out because he has he's gradually evolved um, his subject matter and guests uh, more recently. It was very economics focused in the early days and he had i mean there's there's a couple of podcasts there with milton friedman i think back in the day so um the it was much more hardcore economics back in the early days and he's gradually evolved into um more of a mainstream type or like um topics he covers like he gets a lot of authors on uh who you know on all sorts of subject matter whether it's artificial intelligence or social policy and then the economic stuff still pops up in there pretty regularly as well um, sure. So that's that's a great one, especially if you you you, you want something that is going to delve into the details a bit. Um, sure. Another one I listen to is Masters in Business, and that's okay. That that's pretty similar to Econ Talk in the sense that it's it's a regular feature. Uh, the guy Barry Ridolts pops up every week with a new one, and some of the early ones were awesome. He had you know some real big names across business and finance, whether it was Jim Chanos, Howard Marks. Um, yeah, Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel Prize winner, is like some really high quality people sure. on there. But uh, I think, you know, forcing yourself to stick to a weekly podcast, you, you know, you start to run out of options. So the quality's thinned out a bit. But that's still a great one for anyone who's interested in um, business, business more broadly. And he does a great sure. thing where he, you know, he'll do like a regular style radio interview, but then in the last half hour, forty five minutes, um, he kind of you know, goes off piece a bit and starts asking a lot of personal questions. And that's, that's actually the most, the most fun bit because he even asks people stuff like, you know, what are you reading at the moment? And, you know, what would you tell yourself if you're 20 years old? And that, that might seem you yeah. know, pretty, you know, pretty unassuming, but some of the answers you get yeah. to those questions are, are epic. So especially from yep. great minds, like the ones they have. Um, so that's yeah. two, two major ones I listen to. Then I've actually started more recently moving on to, two others in the same sort of economics field. One's Uncommon Knowledge, which I know you're a fan of, and um, Conversations with Tyler, Tyler Cohen, who's at the um, George Mason University, the Mercatus Centre. Sure. He, he's, he's awesome. I mean, he's a, he's a great economist in his own right, and he's done a lot of books, but because he's so quirky and um, unique in his own right, the questions he asks are just, you know, completely out of left field. It's not what you'd expect in a normal interview. And you can see that the interview are almost thrown off every time they're like where is he doing this stuff from and they're almost shocked at the amount of research he's, he's done but then you know such a mm. weird question on top of it so that's quite entertaining you don't you don't find that everywhere and then um yep. after that i've got a lot of finance ones i listen to um grant's interest rate observer real vision uh jcap research super investors and art, the art of worldly wisdom for anyone who's interested in in finance stuff and then um, sure. another another one I've picked up more recently is the Farnham Street, which uh, I think is probably the closest thing I've seen to what uh, the format that we've adopted so far. It's you know a bit more broader, sure. but you know interested in self education and learning. So that 
that I've only listened to a couple of those, but yeah, highly recommend it so far. And um, sure. So what, what about you, mate? What are you listening to these days? Yeah, Jordan, they're all, you know, we share a few interests there and um, you're probably a lot more heavier on the finance stuff than I am. Um, but yeah, look, I, there's a, there's a great podcast out now by uh, Jonah Goldberg. Um, he's from national review online and tremendously funny guy, but he's, he started a podcast. Oh gosh just before Christmas last year called The Remnant and I highly recommend it as a as a as a you know for a listen it's just absolutely tremendous he has he lives in DC obviously so he's got access to some really great thinkers that he can bring in and the discussion is very free flowing it, it gets away from that format of just that adversarial sort of question and answer sort of CBS type ABC in our context uh, type interview and there's a lot of banter as well in there so it's obviously a bit like the russ roberts thing you, you throw some you know there's a lot of serious depth in the content of what they're discussing uh, but at the same time there's a bit of banter in there too so it just makes it really you know listenable and i highly recommend that um there's the ricochet podcast so ricochet.com from the united states um i'm a member of that that is a kind of not a closed on conservative uh, community, but it's just a place for civil discussion. It's very open, but you can download all the podcasts for free. But they've got some really good, um, you know, Rob Long, Jonah Goldberg's there a, a fair bit as well. Um, uh, Peter Robinson from Uncommon Knowledge. Um, he's a co-founder of Ricochet. Uh, so they've got a really good, the actual Ricochet podcast, and they've got a few branches that stream off that, which cover, they obviously cover current affairs in the U.S., um, but that's a, that is a tremendous podcast too, of just sort of loosely staying across current affairs. So they're not, you know, right down in the depth of all the headlines day to day, but they do just offer some, a conservative or a broader perspective than what the, the headlines offer, um, rather than just sort of getting down into the weeds, into that sort of he said, she said type current affairs, which I know we'll discuss in a little bit, but there's also on the Ricochet Network, uh, the bookmonger. Um, podcast where it's a just a 10 minute they keep it very disciplined and a very short um, podcast with latest books that are out and then in 10 minutes you can get a really good glance and a really good snapshot of what what the uh, the book covers and um, you know out of that I've been able to really target my reading and go okay look that's let that looks super interesting and I will give that a go um, there's also one uh, in the self-help tradition, The Art of Manliness as well, which is a great website too. And they, they have, um, you know, a lot of exposure and they have some really, really good um, interviews on that, on just, you know, from Stanley McChrystal to people like Jordan Peterson and his 12 Rules for Life. But they get a lot of really good, you know, Sam Harris, they get a lot of, you know, a very broad cross-section of people on there. And rather than it being sort of banter, it's got that real self help element to it um so yeah i'd probably nominate those jordan less finance heavy than yours and, <laughs> but you know it's um it they they're just you know tremendously interesting and i i do enjoy a lot of that self help element too um but then something's a bit more casual and a lot more banter but from your podcast list jordan i noticed you didn't really there weren't too many from Australia, or is there is there a reason behind that? Is there what what do you think is the reason behind that? Have you been able to find anything that's worthwhile in Australia, or is it just that you um, there's just simply nothing there? 
Yeah, it's certainly certainly not a deliberate effort on my part. That's uh, kind of just how the cookie crumbled. I've, yeah. I mean, the way I look at podcasts is they're kind of they're almost like a filtering mechanism for um, deeper reading. So, I've you know I follow authors and see if they're on podcasts or you know whether Russ Roberts or or um, uh, one of the, the Farnham Street guy has has someone on. Then it's kind of like oh yeah, this guy sounds pretty interesting. I'll go and check out you know what other stuff he's done, whether it's his website or books and. Like um, sure. you know, Jordan Peter- Jordan Peterson, that was how I came across his book because uh, you know, he was interviewed on, on, uh, on the Rubin Report. So that's yeah. that's sort of the purpose behind it's you know it's the initial inspectional read almost over a new book. That's the way I treat it. But in Australia, there's I'm really struggling to find um, anything that that sort of cuts that deeply as what those podcasts do. There's no one, I, well, not that I've seen that's you know willing to cut across issues and try and lose the traditional interview format, which is pretty common with like the ABC and the AFR and, and stuff like that. So um, mm. what yeah. about you, Sean? Have you found anything in Australia that, that you listen yeah, to look, I was, Yeah, look, yeah, I was just going to say, there are a few around that I have that I do listen to. I've failed to mention them there, but there are, ABC does Counterpoint, hosted by Amanda Vanstone, which I do think is is really good because they do their best to bring in um, different perspectives, but it's they can be, and, and Tom Switzer on Radio National does a really good job too, but they don't have that conversational element, that casual sort of side of things. It's, you know, a very standard sort of interview format and there's not really any space for that kind of what are you reading type question, you know, that I think that is just really, it just takes the edge off and makes things a bit more... Um, casual and one of the things too is Michelle Grattan does oh gosh I can't the conversations podcast on politics and it's it's not it's there's nothing conversational about it you know Michelle Grattan's <laughs> obviously a very respected journalist and you know she's cut her teeth in that same mold of that tradition like try ask the politician to stuff up or to you know come undone and keep driving at that point which reverts to them utilising talking points and then it just becomes this sort of really dry, sobering um, kind of interview where you come out of it, you don't really know too much more than what you came in trying to listen to it and downloading. And there's just it's not just, you know, that. It's There's a lot of formats like that as well, you know, ABC, uh, sorry, um, Q&A on the ABC, for example, a lot of other things too where it just becomes this sort of set piece where it's very boring and I think there's a lot of rejection in that sort of stuff which is why there's this hunger for wider podcasts and you know we we both enjoy the Institute of Public Affairs the IPA and Center for Independent Studies and enthusiastic reader about a lot of their stuff however they don't really seem to do the podcast thing um, or they have you know, a lot of video from a big event that they did and then nothing will happen for two years it's just um, yeah so there's a lot of and I so I'd, I'd really love if they did a lot more stuff but it's just not that frequent and um yeah so i just think there's a bit of a gap here in australia about what we can what we can um access and and what we can access just being accept <laughs> this sounds correct but accessible too in terms of being able to listen to it and actually enjoy it and it to be a conversation for things to be um you know i really would enjoy i think you just get so much interviewing people and asking you know what are you reading where have you been traveling this year? What are you up to? Like, 
that would improve a lot of the a lot of the conversations we have in current affairs and it just brings a sort of human element to what are otherwise you know pretty dry topics i guess um yeah uh, so can, those are, yeah. can i add something yeah. to that sean i was gonna Go, i was gonna say one That's thing this. that one thing that annoys me with those types of podcasts is that or it because it, it's more like a radio interview it's very it's very one way and it's very formal and so it almost becomes like a lecture and it's, it's like no one wants to it's like you're not going to go to a pub and catch up with a mate and it's going to be just one person going the whole time and asking one question it's always a back and forth <laughs> and so yeah. it's like you know you wouldn't you wouldn't have that type of conversation normally so why would you record it and send it to everyone that, that just doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> and sure. then the um the other thing that really gripes me with those types of things is that you never hear because because the presumption is you got an interviewer interviewer who doesn't know as much as the professional expert who's coming in you will never mm. ever hear the expert say i don't know i mean when was the last time yeah. you heard someone say no i don't know the answer to that that's beyond my circle of competency because of that type of format whether it's q a or um i haven't listened to the grattan one but um i presume that you know, you will never hear someone on there say, oh, "I don't, I don't know the answer to that." And that, that kind of, it's a false sense of understanding, or, or, you know, a false sense of reality, because yeah. everyone should be willing to learn from the person they're conversing with. And this, I was only thinking about this the other day because um, I went to, you, you know, this. I went to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting a couple of years ago, and sure. um, that that format is, um, for those who don't know, it's. Um, it starts off with the formalities of the annual meeting where Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger kind of, you know, introduce everyone and, um, you yeah. know, they do the, the voting for directors and whatever. And then it sets into mm. six hours of Q&A. And there's, there's a, there's a half-hour break, mm. half, you know, wow. half, halfway through. But there was one point in the Q&A, and, you know, these are the two, two of the most knowledgeable people and knowledgeable and competent people in the world. And one mm. person got up and asked a question about they, – they asked Charlie Munger the question um, – mm. What are, what are your thoughts on China's new Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank and the likely impact on U.S. foreign policy and uh, and the Pacific regional economy? And <laughs> I thought I thought that's a bit of a bizarre question to be asking at the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, but maybe because they thought you know Char Charlie's quite fond of China and you know the Chinese mm. miracle economy for the last thirty mm. years, so maybe they mm. thought they'd get a decent response. But Charlie, <laughs> the first he just said, "I don't know. I've got no idea." And I thought that was so refreshing to hear, you know, someone, you know, who's clearly miles above so many other people in, sure. in what he does, but to turn around and go, that's that's beyond my, by my, the scope of my knowledge. And that, I think that's something that people aren't, I think almost they're afraid to do because they're worried they'll look silly. But in the end, admitting what you don't know is part of the learning process. It kind of, you know, it tells you where you can learn more from and it kind of stimulates the you know, the back and forth, like, oh, you know, what do you think the impact will be? And you don't really get that with the traditional podcast or interview. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good point, mate. And I think um, as well, it's, well, yeah, when was the last time too when you heard someone say on a panel, look, that's a great point. I hadn't considered that. Oh, look, you know, like that, you know, that's a fantastic point. I hadn't considered it. Or, you know, maybe I'll have, a, have another look at this. Yeah, it's it's always just sort of down to point scoring and I guess a lot of posturing too. But you know that's how I guess these set pieces are set up. They're just very adversarial and not designed to be collaborative as well. And um, yeah, it's obviously not that that helpful. And I think a lot of people are looking for that. 
uh, not just looking for the conversation, but looking for people to just have a, a genuine exchange of ideas rather than it just being a point scoring um, setup. So yeah, no, absolutely agree. Yep, yep. The um, and as well, Jordan, with you know, we touched on before. You know, one of the the few of the reasons why these things are becoming um, popular as well. Are there any blogs, I guess, besides podcasts that you look at too, um, as well? Um, blogs, I, I'll admit I've kind of gone off a bit. I Yeah, yeah. I, I think after reading that Shallows book I mentioned last week, it kind of um, scared me off of reading too much on an electronic device and reading shorter articles. I think, you know, sure. we talked a bit last week about deep reading and, you know, I find I really struggle to do that with anything online, especially the nature of the pieces. So I try and stick to a mm -hmm. book. But, um, you know, I have I have read blogs in the past, but, yeah, it's very – yeah, it's it's a hard format to kind of figure out where it sits. Is it is it in sure. – you know, is, is it just a news item? Is it somewhere that yep. you can do a deeper exploration yep. of something? But, um, sure. yeah, no, I, I've yeah. kind of gone off them a bit. What about yourself? Yes. Yeah, look, I – I'm sort of a bit of both. I do read, when I can, um, City Journal, which is a great um, publication um, from the US. But it's a shorter sort of blog-style pieces. But I'm kind of like yourself. I, it's just a, a podcast, an audio platform is just much more accessible than... than um, and, you know, just for example, even this and the pilot episode that we've done, I've been able to just reach just, you know, probably four times the amount of people um, who've listened and actually read um, you know, a lot of the pieces that I've put out for publication. So just in that sharing ideas platform, it's just, yeah, the, the potency of a, an audio platform is just so much more powerful. Um, and, yeah, I guess that sort of that's appeals, you know, for the podcasts I listen to as well, not looking at what they're writing a lot of the time because it's just, I think, simply just a matter of trying to find the time to read and wade through the words. But, yeah, the, the audio platform is just much more, more potent as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, look, Jordan, I think um, that exhausts time. It's uh, come, getting pretty late here on the podcast, so we might um, wrap up. Is there anything you just wanted to add or touch on before we we wrap up? Um, I might make one last point, just about um, sure, just to kind of sum it all up. I think in um, in terms of you know this this new medium of podcasts, um, mm. one thing we talked about on the phone was kind of this the gap in civilized discussion and and comparing sure. that to like the point scoring that you see in traditional media formats like Q&A and mm. you know the, that lack of back and forth and you, you just reminded me before with um, a debate that occurred during the Brexit campaign between sure. um, I think Dan Hannan was representing the Brexit side and there was there was I can't remember who was um, representing the other but the mm there was like a half hour back and forth with the mediator asking questions. And then they put it open to the two debaters to ask each other questions. And Dan had mm. its first question to the other person was, what's the best argument against your position? And the, the, the opponent just freaked out. They're like, there is, there isn't one. And that kind of just revealed oh, wow. straight away that, you know, they were completely ideological and are not open to any, any, you know, debate around ideas. And sure. I think, you know, that, that is a real problem in the traditional media format. And I think that kind of explains why there has been this sort of shift to shift to the, you know, online and podcast yeah. formats and, and YouTube and guys yeah. like 
uh, Dave Rubin with the Rubin Report. I mean, they're kind of it's a it's a decentralization of a traditionally centralized media mm. institution, and that's I think that's a I think that's a good thing because it means that the barriers mm. to entry have come down. There's a there's a diversity of views, and mm. you know it's it, I mean everyone I mean everyone knew originally with you know the traditional media formats that they were that they were biased you know every there's no such thing as an unbiased media um media outlet but these mm. these institutions try and purvey themselves as you know arbiters of the truth they're like they they're purely objective and they they hold the standard sure. to you know what how the information should be conveyed but sure. that's i think part of the re- the rebellion against these these formats, whether it's, you know, Trump labeling them as fake news or people reverting to podcasts. I think that's kind of the the dynamic that's going on. People want a subjective perspective, but they want people to admit that they're giving one. They don't want, you know, this kind of Orwellian centralized figure telling them, you know, how things are. So that's that's my view of how the landscape's evolving. Sure. And look, it's a, yeah, great points there. And, you know, another refreshing thing with especially a guy like Dave Rubin is, He's genuinely interested in hearing different points of view and canvassing different ideas. And he asks questions. It's not hostile. It's not, you know, like, what about this? What about that? It's not, it's just a genuinely refreshing commitment to try work out, okay, what is it you believe? Okay, what perspective? Yeah, that's interesting, you know, to challenge different views and do it amicably too and in a civilized way. And um, yeah, it's very interesting that Hannon uh, point. It just sort of shows that that broader perspective is not really that format doesn't lend itself to that. And um, yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of issues like that too. I think as well, if you just we touched on we, we said this last time that um, if you all you do is read headlines, you just get so exhausted without any broader context on a lot of issues. And you know, one of the things I think we'll look at in a future episode is the, this topic of inequality. Because I do think it's this recurring theme that keeps coming back again and again and again. Um, we, we talk about income. And one of the things that I've learned just with broader reading and a broader perspective is we talk about income brackets, for example, the top 1% versus the 99%, the top 20, the bottom 20. But then we don't, you know, a broader reading and a broader perspective. And it was listening to Econ Talk and Russ Roberts and figures like Thomas Sowell and, and Milton Friedman and podcasts like that where I was able to just work out that it's not actually those are statistical brackets they're not they're 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 not flesh and blood human beings so people start in the bottom 20 and then move up and then progress they go up to the top 20 and they come back but no one's ever sitting still in a but you know if all you're doing is just looking at inequality or talking about these top these statistical categories the top one percent the other 99 you know the bottom 20 you know, that's, that's I think, that stuck place where a lot of this public discussion can occur. You know, that's just one example, and it's probably a bit, bit of a complex one to be grappling with. But I just think it's just a classic example of where we need a broader perspective on things and, and you know, how just some, a wider perspective would show you that, you know, and even just having, you know, on this topic of inequality, but why things should be equal in the first place. Rarely do we examine that. It's always just a complaint about how we can drag people down or put ceilings on people or, you know, spread wealth around to try and redress inequality. Um, but there's just certain explanations as to why, you know, not just people but nations have different starting points as well, whether it's crop yields, you know, navigable waterways, cultural capital, all these sorts of things. But it's sort of a, round, a, a very long run-up on just saying 
um, <laughs> you know, the point about broader perspective and then just being able to attach some, you know, a broader idea rather than just going, you know, you earn more than me, therefore it's unfair and we should tax, you know, you need to pay your fair share because that, that's stuck. It's just one example of a stuck discussion of the, the, that sort of public narrative and how yeah, we and set I think, up a set piece of it. Yeah. I think it gets, I think it gets stuck because it, it gets too easily framed as a divide between rich and poor. And it's such mm. a, it's a much more complex and nuanced subject than that. And when it can be framed so easily um, for a headline sense, it, you know, the, mm. the deeper debate gets lost. And there mm. are a lot more nuanced arguments to be made around the inequality stuff. We're obviously not going to get into it now, but the one that I kind of find interesting is this, this idea of social, social mobility rather than, mm. you know, it, it, the, the equality of outcomes. And I mean, that, that sure. probably doesn't reveal much, but I think that's, that's kind of one way of looking at the problem, which doesn't get talked about enough. And it's, um, you know, sure. guys like Noel Ferguson and, and uh, Deirdre McCoskey talk about it in those terms, and I find that very interesting. But you know, if you if you sure. read the news, all you know is that Thomas Piketty won you know the Financial Times Business Book of the Year award for capital in the 21st century, and that's just that's the only perspective out there, and it's not true. So sure. yeah, no, yeah. I look forward to I look then, forward to that you know, one. Yeah, that's right. And you know, if you're in a university tutorial and you're a you know, you, or you just get bludgeoned by that book, or you know, being waved <laughs> yeah. around, say, hey, look. It was written about, you know, this guy was obviously very smart and he won the FT Book of the Year, so therefore it's gospel and it's truth. There's no other perspective. So, yeah, and, and we mentioned Jordan Peterson before, but just to sort of elaborate on that last point you were making before, it was that that interview that he did with Kathy Newman is just just so, you know, the last it was about 10 million views or something like that. But I think that's what we're sort of seeing now in... You know, he's coming to Australia. He's in there instantly sold out. There's this huge reservoir out there for people who have a rejection of that style of hostility. There's all these memes coming out, and I haven't looked at too many of them. It's not sort of my bag, but there's one of them. It's just, oh, so you eat vanilla ice cream, so you don't like black people. And you know, that's, <laughs> the, that's like... That's, you know, that that's the sort of interview format. Yeah. Like, so what you're saying is you don't like – it's like, no, no, I'm not. And then you're immediately defending yourself. And the whole interview then becomes this sort of hostile thing where you're backed into a corner it's, and you can't – you know, like you're playing defense the whole time and then you never really get to – it's like, oh, well, it's 10 minutes. We've got to, you know, wrap up the show. Producers tapping on the shop. Um, and then hence I think why someone like Peterson is just tremendously popular where, you know, we can – you can listen to a two and a half hour YouTube or watch a two and a half hour YouTube interview with him and Dave Rubin, and there's no none of those constraints there. And it gets back to what we we're saying before the start, Jordan. You know about Russ Roberts. Who would have ever thought that it be something like that would be popular? And it's just quite tremendous that it, it is, and it just so shows that there is this great reservoir. And I'm glad it's he is sold out. Jordan Peterson in, in Australia because it just shows that all the things that he's speaking to, you know, self-help, meaning, better choices, responsibility, you know, human nature and adventure, they ha they do have, you know, when was the last time we heard about those themes discussed in mainstream Australia, but it just shows there's a lot of people out there who are just, there's this raging, raging appetite for it as well. Amen. Hey, Jordan. Amen. Yep, yep. Um, one yeah. one last thing on that, Sean. I think sure, the, sure. The, the Kathy Newman Jordan Peterson interview that you mentioned, like mm. I, I highly recommend that anyone go check that out because that's 
that's just an amazing clash of you know it's it's weird because it's almost like she's talking to a different person that's not there it's a it's an example kind of what i was trying to point out before about this sort of this clash between a, like an old old sort of centralized type of media to this yeah. new decentralized bottom-up form where you know mm-hmm. one's much more networked and the other one's much more hierarchical and to me that's just a perfect example of the clashes of how they how they look at the world and how they approach um pr- approach their subject matters and I think yeah, I've been thinking yeah. about That's that. That's a really good point. Really good point. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of um, uh, Niall Ferguson's most recent book. I haven't read it yet, but <laughs> I was, I was I've, just I was literally just about to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I ordered it the other day, and I've listened. I haven't read it yet, but I've listened to about three interviews he's done about the book, so I feel like I know the main thesis already. But he talks about, yeah. uh, you know, he's great at putting out your current the current time in its historical context and he's he's mainly focusing on like the the rise of social media and the influence it had on the 2016 election in the u.s but there's a deeper message in the from what i gather in his book about this clash between decentralized networks and centralized hierarchies and he says that in, in a sense in a sense history is entirely a story about conflicts between networks and hierarchies and he he said he only realized that recently when he was thinking about reflecting on Henry Kissinger, his previous book and some of the other stuff he'd written about and realized that everything he he focused on in his time was really about networks, but he didn't really have the tools to uh, analyze it properly or even recognize that he was looking at history in that way. And, you know, he pointed out that things like the Reformation, the American Revolution, the, Ruff- the Russian Revolution, all these things are a networked phenomenon, like the Republic of Letters and the Enlightenment, all these things are they're bottom-up phenomenons, and they but they're key, they're key moments, key phases in history, and a lot of today can be looked at in those terms as a result of the rise in computing technology and the internet, and you know sure. we're seeing that slowly with the decentralisation of media now, and yeah, sure. it's just a, that the Newman Peterson thing is just a beautiful example of that clash going on today. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's absolutely spot on, and it's that is a book that I, I've done the same as you. I've read a good chunk of the preview on the on my kindle and I look forward to reading and one of the points we, we should probably do it we can devote a bit of an episode to that i think when we both have devoured it i'm uh i'm reading 12 rules for life i've just finally got i've read like i've sorry read but i've listened to a few podcasts and heard a few interviews on that and so i'm finally just waiting my way through that but yeah that is a the um the square in the tower Niall ferguson's new one i look forward to to having a read and i think that's just the perfect rubric there jordan about how to look at the discussion we've just had tonight and yep. um i think just a really good good way to end but um so jordan yeah without any further i thank you again for coming on to the second episode and um i'm looking forward to having you back on if you'll come back <laughs> next yeah, week I, or I, on I, episode come, three yeah i might come back <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. it was, uh, once again, it was an absolute pleasure, Sean. Um, thanks for having me back. I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you, dear listeners. That concludes Episode 2 of the Jacobs Podcast. A reminder to please send any feedback that you have or topics for discussion or any questions you'd like Jordan and I to discuss on a future episode. Uh, just drop us a line at seanjacobs.com.au and we promise we will get to them. Uh, today's lead-in music was by Okinawa Lifestyle uh, with the track called Levan. And finally, I'd like to thank Ellie McNee as producer for putting the show together. Thanks very much, and we look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Jacobs Podcast.